The following is a hoop ball presentation. For the first time since, well, since before I was born, <laughs> the Phoenix Suns are going to the NBA Finals. <laughs> wow, what a run! Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another edition, a championship edition of Round Paul Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. As always, find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA, HoopBallHoop-Ball.com. Again, Hoop-Ball.com and on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Amazing coverage. All right, you got the Mavs cast just dropped their off-season report, their first one. You have the Fantasy Pass with the season wrap-up on the Houston Rockets. You have several new podcasts in the building. Yep, that's right. I said new podcasts in the building to check out. The coverage doesn't stop. It's all season long. Check out Hoop Ball for the latest. All right, now I got to go into the Suns, man. I got to go into the Suns. The Phoenix Suns beat the Los Angeles Clippers 130-103 to in Game 6 of the Western Conference Finals to make it to their first NBA Finals appearance in 1993. That's right. Chris Paul is going to be in the NBA Finals. Devin Booker is undefeated in a playoff series so far. DeAndre Ayton is in an NBA Finals. Mikel Bridges is in an NBA Finals. Jay Crowder Two straight finals appearances for the boy. Jalen Smith just got drafted, lucky to be there, and look where he's going, NBA Finals. Frank Kaminsky, Etwan Moore from Magic Lore, Javon Carter, Dario Saric, Torrey Craig, I mean, I can go down the list. Torrey Craig started with the Bucks, had a good chance of making it. Then he got traded to the Suns, or ended up with the Suns, and look what happened. Like, I'm excited, as you can tell, just because Suns fans have been chomping at the bit for so long. Imagine this, you have waited for 11 long years for a playoff appearance. The last time you were in the playoffs was 2010, where you lost in six games to Los Angeles Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. You wait 11 years, and you make it all the way to the NBA Finals. I can't speak for Suns fans, but I would imagine that this has been worth the wait. Wow. And, and what a ride it's been. I mean, you had the leaving of Amari Stoudemire. You had the weird way of replacing him in 2011 with the, with the what, it was... Hidu Turkoglu and Kakeem Warwick, and um, you had, uh, I'm forgetting his name, oh, Josh Childress. Uh, you just had all of that. Then, you know, transition from that to the trade with Vince Carter and bringing in Mikel, um, Mikel Petris. You move from that to this kind of weird team where you have Michael Beasley and Wesley Johnson, Luis Scola, Jermaine O'Neal, and then, of course, you bring back Goran Dragic. That falls apart a little bit after when you mix them up with, you know, um, Eric Bledsoe and Isaiah Thomas. You have that whole three-headed Hydra point guard spot, the entire uh, Ryan McDonough era, the Morris twins and their issues in Phoenix, although both have obviously acquitted themselves well in later stops. You've had all of that go down. The drafting of Dragon Bender, the drafting of Marquise Chris, just the tremendously horrible rosters that surrounded Devin Booker during his developmental years, to finally having a team like you had last year, with Tsunami Poppy, Tsunami Poppy, and Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker, where they went undefeated in the bubble, were just on the outside of the playoffs going in, and then they finally make it. They finally do it. Dispatch the Lakers, who, as a Lakers fan, I must add that AD was injured, and LeBron wasn't 100%, but they did their job, and they did it convincingly. <laughs> they took care of the Nuggets, swept them. 
just done. And they had a hard-fought series against Clippers. Clippers took them out of their element in so many ways. Chris Paul couldn't find a basket. Devin Booker had a 40-point game in the beginning in Chris Paul's absence and then just struggled the rest of the way. This was a rough, grinded-out series. They had a chance to take it at home, and they did not secure the bag. Totally lost it and got blown out. And what do they do? They go to L.A., where Chris Paul played. A number of years, they remember the Los Angeles Clippers. Just being on the outside, but not quite getting it. They go to Los Angeles. And they win. Literally dispatching the Clippers away on their home court. And we have to talk about Chris Paul, who has fought so hard. His legacy to me was already intact. It's not about this game. It's not about this final appearance. It's not about anything for Chris Paul. He's already shown over the, what, 16 years he's been in the league what a championship Hall of Fame point guard is, regardless of whether he has the ring or not. But to finally get there is just big for him. To be able to do that with a coach that in Monty Williams that he's been through the ringer with as a member of the New Orleans Hornets back in the day, literally a decade ago, it's crazy to think about. Like, that's fulfilling. And also, just to see the game that he had tonight. 34 minutes, 41 points, 8 assists to 0 turnovers. 16 of 24 from the field, 7 of 8 from 3. 66% from the field, 87% from 3. He was on fire. He was not going to lose this game. And in the second half, he scored 31 of those 41 points. And with each jumper, you knew he is not losing this game from the elbow. Boom. He is not losing this game. Layup. Boom. He is not losing this game. Wide open 3. Boom. Again and again and again. He was on fire. Devin Booker added as well. 22 points, struggled a little bit. He had a lot of defensive attention, 10-26 from the field, 1-7 from three, but he threw in seven rebounds and four assists alongside that. DeAndre Eaton, who played like a beast for most of the series, 40 minutes, 16 points, 17 rebounds. Monster double-double. Two blocks as well. Jay Crowder woke up after having a quiet series for the most part. 19 points on five of nine from three, five rebounds. Mikel Bridges, you know, solid, kind of a little bit of everything. Nine points, four rebounds. Uh, uh, nine points, four assists, rather. Uh, a rebound there. Cameron Payne, two po- I mean, Cameron Payne's going to NBA Finals, y'all. Uh, you could have told me this in 2015 and would have laughed at you. If you said 2016, would have laughed at you. 2017, would never even heard you. Look at him now. And is still battling from an ankle injury. He's going to have plenty of time to rest now before the Finals. Seven points, seven assists for Payne. Torrey Craig came in, and even though he played 30 minutes and only had three points along with eight rebounds, he had such an impact while Jay Crowder was battling some foul trouble where he was able to kind of stay in the game, play tough defense on Paul George, and and really make things happen. Dario Saric, who was getting abused the last two games by DeMarcus Cousins, including tonight, or last night rather, just being abused by DeMarcus Cousins whenever he was on the floor, got back with two big threes in the second quarter to really keep the Suns in it. Uh, may kind of maintain that margin of difference and also kind of get back. Like, okay, you're going to come at me on one end? Well, guess what? I'm going to come back at you with the other. Dario Saric is going to the NBA Finals, y'all. Like, like, wow. What a run for the Suns. What a run for Suns fans. Like I said, Chris Paul's legacy was already secured to me, but this was just a, a clincher in my book to lead such a young team to their first NBA Finals appearance. I mean, you have to look at the Phoenix front office. You have to look at what James Jones has done. You have to look at what Monty Williams has done, Jeff Bowers has done, what that entire coaching staff, Willie Green has been on that. Like, what all of those Phoenix Suns, from top to bottom, have done because of the collective effort for them to get to where they are now. Absolutely. Abdul Nader, who played six minutes and didn't do a darn thing. <laughs> he had a rebound. But I'm just saying, everyone on this Suns team deserves credit. Everywhere. This is... 
just a testament to long suffering, to commitment, to a winning culture, to taking the time to build. Last year it wasn't done flash in the pan. It took this year to kind of really fulfill it. It took them going through some bumps, but they did that. And here they are. Congrats to Phoenix. What a run. And now it's the NBA Finals where they get to await their opponent. Also, real quick, shout out to Al McCoy. 88 years old. 49 years in the business. And I have to say, I've been in Arizona now for a couple of years. And when I first got here, um, that is, Al McCoy was the one I used to listen to on the radio. Um, I think it's 98.7 FM. Um, but before that, it was uh, Sports 620, ESPN 620. And hearing Al McCoy all these years, Shazam! You know, Nash for the three, all sorts. I can't do the voice, but just hearing him, it, it's crazy. Um, he has been like a periphery part of my basketball upbringing because I've just heard him through these last couple of years. Not even really being a Suns fan as much as a Suns resident, like an Arizona resident, but just hearing his voice, hearing him describe the games in such detail with the same professionalism and pretty much the same way he's done it all these years. It just feels like a piece of history with him there. And I'm so happy that he gets a chance now to do his third NBA Finals, because he did the one in 1976, where the Suns lost to the Celtics in six, he did the one in 1993, where the Suns lost to the Bulls in six, and now he gets a chance to do the 2021 NBA Finals, and really, just think about that for a second, like, that is wild, to be able to say, I called the Finals in 1976, I called the Finals in 1993, and I'm calling the Finals in 2021, over three different decades, over almost 50 years, that's insane. Now, the Clippers lost. But they put up a heck of a fight, um, at least for the first half. Um, they were led, as they've been most of this series, by Paul George, who put together just an all-around game. Uh, you know, didn't shoot the greatest from the field, didn't really hit from three well, but he had 21 points and nine rebounds. He did not lead the Clippers in scoring. Uh, that was reserved for Marcus Morris, who was consistent for them. All game, 26 points, 9 rebounds, he had an assist. He had 13 points from Reggie Jackson, who did cool off considering just the torrid streak he's been on. Really, the guy who was a spark plug offensively for the Clippers, especially in the first quarter, first half, was Patrick Beverly, who only finished 11 points, but it was where he got those 11 points. You know, he was cutting to the lane. He crossed up Chris Paul, I think it was in the second half, just a mean left-to-right crossover to the lane for a basket. Uh, He finished with 11 points. Also, we'll talk about him in a second. Nick Batum had 9. DeMarcus Cousins off the bench had 12 points in 14 minutes. Uh, Luke Kennard had 13 minutes. Like, that was all you got from the Clippers. And let's just be real. It felt like they fought hard. They performed admirably, but they just ran out of gas. It's been a long journey for them. They've been playing basically every other game. Paul George has been playing over 40 minutes per game and basically every game since it feels like the playoffs started. It's just a lot. And it just finally caught up with them. I mean, two of their guys played over 40 minutes. Marcus Morris and Paul George. One guy played over 35 minutes. That was Reggie Jackson. Two guys played basically 30 minutes. Patrick Beverly with 31. Terrence Mann just under with 29. Then DeMarcus Cousins and Luke Kennard alongside Nick Batum were in that 13 to 20 range, and that was really it. The rest of the guys got time when the game was just over and done with. But the Clippers fought. They did the best they could, and although this game wasn't really the testament of that, I mean, they hung around. They hung around until the fourth quarter where, I mean, the end of the third quarter and fourth quarter, the Suns, particularly Chris Paul, really put them away. But you have to give credit to this Clippers team for fighting, for proving that they could make it as far as they did. 
I mean, there was questions about whether this team could make the conference finals. Not only did they make it to the conference finals, they were within a game of making it, well, to game seven of making it to an NBA final. So they were close. And this was, again, without Kawhi Leonard, who's missed the last eight games. You know, now he's off season to, to recuperate, uh, free agency to look ahead to. It's going to be interesting to see how the offseason um, shakes itself out for the Los Angeles Clippers. But in this way, you, you see that at least the construction, the process is solid. Reggie Jackson had an amazing year, just a, a electric postseason. Paul George had a transcendent postseason and a strong year overall. Terrence Mann really came through as a key rotational piece, someone who won a game for the Clippers, a game seven, no less, someone who has just been on fire for them in terms of effort, energy, you know, key shots, last night notwithstanding. Pat Beverly, he left in shameful fashion. He... Uh, you know, had probably been doing some trash talking with Chris Paul, but during a timeout, Chris Paul's walking back to his bench, and just he just did a cheap shot. There's no other way to call it. Two-handed shove in the small of Paul's back as Paul's just not prepared to defend himself, not even really paying attention, just completely bush league, and he was rightfully ejected for that. But even Pat Bev, at least for the most part, you know, aside from the questionable calls that he always seems to be a part of, was getting in there, making things happen, an emotional piece, whether it be starting, coming off the bench, knocking down shots. Nick Batum was a stabilizing force for them, being picked up based off the waiver wire, waiver wire from Charlotte and coming in and playing dependable ball all season, whether that was starting or coming off the bench, being that Swiss Army knife. Even last night, nine points, four rebounds, two assists, a little bit of everything on 50% shooting. DeMarcus Cousins, who has had injury after injury after injury, and then went on a team with the Lakers, got injured, didn't play, went to Houston, had a horrible experience there, got, you know, let go, kind of languished for most of the season, got picked up from the Clippers for two 10-day contracts, and then finally gets a, a chance to really get some minutes, you know, here and there, and he absolutely made the most of them. Absolutely made the most of them. Really proved that he, at least in spot minutes against bench units, belongs. I mean, maybe more than that, but you know for a fact that that's what you can get from Marcus Cousins. Finding value. This Clippers team was odds and ends of players here and there who had been cast off from other teams if you're talking about a Reggie Jackson or DeMarcus Cousins or Nicholas Batum or much maligned if you're talking about a Paul George or even to a lesser extent a Marcus Morris or even guys who just didn't get respect or as much, at least as much respect as you think that they think they should. A, a Terrence Mann for that matter. Um, Kawhi, who was just this figure, you know, a spark plug, lightning rod, all of that despite not saying a word. All of this formed an eclectic mixture that made the 2020-2021 Los Angeles Clippers. And what a performance they gave. What a run this was. And they should have their heads held high. They absolutely competed the hell out of this year. Coming back from consecutive 0-2 deficits and scrapping just the absolute mess out of this one against a Phoenix Suns team that, you know, for the most part was healthier, even with losing Chris Paul to COVID, even with having Devin Book with a messed up nose, and later as he found out, uh, Paul's playing with a torn ligament in his hand. So even with all that, the Clippers are just banged up, even more tired, had bigger injuries. Didn't have Avicii Zubac, who was a big part of their uh, team for the last two games. I mean, the Clippers came and did the absolute best they could, and they deserve nothing less than respect for that. And Paul George... He's got a lot of, you know, jokes, pandemic P, way off P, you know, all of that. And, you know, I've, I've had jokes as well, um, but I like Paul George and I respect him. I think it's funny sometimes to joke about him, but like he keeps his head held high. He keeps himself even killed. He performs 
even while not even while getting away with the push off literally every time he goes to the basket for every one of those he gets away with there's a number of calls where he doesn't get from the refs and the respect that you would think from a superstar there and i just think that if you look at the seasons he's had if you look at the season rather i mean that he's ha- that he has had if you look at the postseason that he has had you have to give paul george his flowers even without Kawhi, he has put this team on his back logged heavy minutes and just performed he kept their season alive with those 41 points in game five for the clippers and they would not be where they are without him you can talk about Kawhi all you want. Kawhi, obviously, is one of the top five players in the NBA. Kawhi and Paul George make a just uh, just amazing tandem. But without Kawhi, Paul George was still able to give teams that business, still able to replicate at least some of that 2018-2019 MVP-level season that he had. And I just think we need more respect for that, especially now that he's, of course, not where he wanted to be and the season's over for him. He absolutely played to the best of his abilities while being tired, while being banged up, and credit needs to be given to that. What a hell of a year for Paul George, with the entire Clipper roster up and down. They did what they set out to do, for the most part. Obviously, he didn't want to win a championship, but despite all that, I mean, I didn't even bring up Rajon Rondo. He kind of just felt like an afterthought to me, not to be disrespectful to Rondo, I'm just saying, like, in terms of this Clippers team and the, and the cohesion of this team, but he was a part of this as well, and I just think that this team deserves all the love that Clippers fans will give them because I am done after just now. <laughs> That's all I got y'all for today's episode of Roundball Ramble. I'm just hyped. Uh, we're going to have to talk about finals previews and the mock draft 1.0 that I've been waiting on and waiting on and waiting. I just don't feel that it's right to do that right now. Just give the Suns their flowers. Give respect to the Clippers. Let's get ready for tonight's game between the Hawks and the Bucks, which will probably more than likely be without Trey Young and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, respectively, so we're going to see guys like Lou Williams and Chris Middleton try to take their respective teams to victory. We'll recap that, and we'll probably unveil uh, 1.0 then, y'all. But until then, I am Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. Once again, congrats to the Phoenix Suns, and congrats to the Los Angeles Clippers on the journey they took. Y'all take care. I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.